But All right, everybody wave to the live streamers. Good to have you join us wherever you are in the world. It's good to have you here. Um, as I mentioned last week, we're going to be taking a break from the prayer series after this Sunday because next week is Resurrection Sunday. And then I'm going to be gone for a couple weeks, and then hopefully in May we're going to touch on a few more topics on prayer that need to be covered. But today uh, will be the last one for a while. And if you remember last week, we began the topic of training to listen to the voice of God. And hopefully you were able to do your homework. Uh, Now, having said that, from what I understand, I really did a bad job of explaining homework last week. Uh, I had a lot of people go out and do homework that wasn't what, on my mind, I wanted you to do. Everybody thought that they were supposed to get away by themselves and listen for one hour to God. Did everybody think that? Okay, most of you. What I really wanted you to be to do is to spend an hour of not talking and just listening when you're around other people. I want us to practice what it means to engage in the art of listening. You see, so many of us want to just talk all the time and be heard all the time that we don't take time to listen. And so I wanted you to be in a spot where you're around people, but all you're doing is listening, okay? So, sorry about that. I did a terrible... I actually did mine during the staff meeting this week. (laughs) I thought, hey, this is going to be a perfect thing. Uh, And I have to be honest with you, it was a little hard. I mean, everybody thought I was ticked because I wasn't saying anything. uh, But uh, it's interesting because when you're not talking and you force yourself just to listen, you realize how much of a talker you really are. And as I'm in there, I'm like, oh, I could say something really funny right now. This would be good. And Jake's going to steal the joke because I'm not talking. And it was like this weird thing going on. And, um, but I'll tell you this, because I didn't have to talk, I could really focus on listening. And I had, didn't have to be thinking about what am I going to say next. It was just it was a pretty interesting thing. So I encourage you to try it if you can. Well, this week we're going to continue discussing this specific topic. And honestly, I'm not going to be able to get through all there is to cover on this topic. Uh, so I'm going to get through what I can. And then we're going to have to pick it up in, in May. And I, I wish we could finish it out next week, but it is Resurrection Sunday. I do feel like God wants me to share, you know, something uh, on that day, something different. So, well, as I was saying, last week we discussed how we need to learn how to listen to God's voice, not just hear God's voice, to listen to God's voice. Um, hearing, remember, hearing and listening are two very different things. Hearing just happens, okay? We don't make a choice to hear. But listening requires that we engage. We choose to listen. When we listen, we're not only listening with our ears, we are listening with our heart and our mind and and, and our will. Not only that, a lot of times our body's posture, the posture of our body, will lean into listening. We engage with our body. Like I remember growing up, my mom, uh, we'd be in the middle of a conversation, and my mom's body, she'd go like this. You hear that? Do you hear that? I'd be like, no. You know, she'd freak us out. Well, apparently those genetics have been passed down to me. And I do that all the time now. I'll be in the middle of the conversation with my wife and I'll go, do you hear that? Do you hear that? And she's like, Luke, it's the train. Okay, it's not that big a deal. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's just train. So it, it, our bodies, the point I'm trying to make is that we engage with our bodies when it comes to listening. Last week I shared this verse. And I want to share it again because I think it's powerful. And this verse um, where, where Jesus says this is um, when Jesus was in the wilderness and he had been fasting for 40 days and nights and, and the, the enemy, Satan, had come to him and was trying to tempt him. And uh, he, you know, Jesus was hungry, so he said, hey, Jesus, you know, if you're so hungry, why don't you turn that stone into bread and eat it? 
And Jesus said these words. He goes, it is written, man does not live by, on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, now think of those words. Think on, on those words. Think about what they mean. Do we believe that? Man shouldn't just draw his sustenance from bread alone, but also from what? God's word. From every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. From every spoken word of God. Now, do you, I hope we understand what this is telling us. Because it's actually telling us a, a few things, and we need to get this. And to help us understand it, I'm going to ask you a few questions, and I want you to answer out loud. But according to this verse, man needs what two things to truly live? Bread, physical food, and what? That's right, the spoken words of God. We need both of those things to truly be alive. Physical food and God's word. Now, I want to point out something here that we might miss. You and I are physical beings. We live in a physical world. We have physical bodies. And to sustain those physical bodies, to keep those bodies alive, what must we do? Eat what? Eat physical food. Exactly. Eating physical food keeps our bodies alive. Some of us are better than others at that. I, I'm pretty good at it. I'm very good at making sure that I eat. I hate going without food. I don't like starving. It's, it's a really difficult thing to go without food for a long time. And that's why our bodies get hungry. We will naturally eat when we're hungry to make sure that our bodies stay alive. And that's great. That's the way God created us. But there's something else that we need to consider. Not only are we physical beings, we are also what? Spiritual beings. Each of you not only has a physical body, but you also have a spirit. You are spiritual beings. Your spirit dwells in your body. Your body's kind of like a tent that your, your spirit lives in. Uh, to use modern day words, it's like your body is the avatar in which your spirit dwells. So if we're physical beings and we need bread or physical food to keep our physical bodies alive and sustain, then tell me, what about our spirits? What is, what is supposed to sustain our spirits? Because our spirits are invisible. We, we can't see them. Spirits don't eat physical food. So what do our spirits need to be able to be nourished and sustained? Tell me. The Word of God. God's spoken words are what bring life to our spirits. Let me show you a verse that Jesus is speaking here, and he says this. He goes, the words I have spoken to you are spirit, and they are life. Now, notice what Jesus is saying. He's saying that his words are spirit. They aren't physical. They're spirit. So they operate in the unseen realm. Now, he says that they are spirit and they are life. Now, tell me, what do his words bring life to? Our spirits. God's spoken words bring life to the spiritual part of who we are. His word are, are what our spirits feed on. They draw strength from. They draw life from. His words are spirit and they are life. And his words are are what our spirits need to function properly. Jesus said this. He goes, I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me will never 
never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never, never be thirsty. Now, Jesus was not talking about physical food here. He, he was talking about his words that bring life. His words are spirit, and they are life, and that's why he's called the bread of life. When, when we take in his words and we consume them and we digest them, if you will, the, and we allow the nourishment they bring to feed our soul, our spirits are given life. His words feed our spirit. Do we get that? Do we understand that? Okay, then, let's look at this verse again. It is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of, of God. Okay, we see that verse. Tell me something. If a man is only living on bread alone, then tell me, what is happening to that man? He is spiritually what? He's spiritually starving. He is spiritually starving. When we are only feeding on physical food and failing to feed on God's spoken words, we're starving ourselves spiritually and not truly living. And honestly, when I look across the world of Christianity today, unfortunately, this is actually the norm. We are a people who are spiritually starving. And that's a terrible thing. I wish we could see how terrible it is. I mean, think about it. We all hate to see the pictures of physically starving people across our world today. We, we look at the pictures. When I was Googling this, they were just hard to look at because these people are failing to be nourished physically and their physical life, body starves. But guys, if we could take a peek into the unseen realm and see the spiritual lives of people who call themselves Christians, we would see multitudes of spiritually starving people because they don't feast on God's word. And that's taking its toll in the churches across the world. Guys, listen, just as a person must learn to eat food to nourish his or her own physical body, so must we learn to listen to God's voice to nourish our spirits. Because man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. His words are spirit, and they are life. Amen? Amen. Now, when I say that, often people will wonder themselves, okay, Luke, I get that. But what do you mean by words that come from the mouth of God? Are we talking about the Bible, or what are we talking about? And so very quickly, I just want to kind of speak to that. Um, and when it comes to the Word of God, there are actually two forms to it. Uh, there's the written Word of God, and there's the spoken Word of God. Now, interestingly, in English, we just simply say the Word of God. But in the Greek, there's two different words that are used. When it comes to the written Word of God, the Greek uses the word logos, Okay, the logos of God. When it comes to the spoken word of God, it uses the word rima, the rima of God. Now, let me show you a couple of verses where in English it's using the same phrase, but it's two different Greek words. In Hebrews it says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Ephesians it says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. What do you think the first one is? The Hebrews one. It is the Logos. The second one is the Rima. Okay? 
The Logos of God is the written word of God that has been passed down through the ages to his people. And the Rima is the spoken word of God to his people. Now let me ask you, which one of these do we especially need in our life? <laughs> Very good. That's a trick question, and you passed the test. Okay. We need both. We need both the logos of God and the rema of God in our life to feed our spirit. Both are necessary to experience true life. One cannot be made more important than the other. But something I've noticed is that in much of Christianity, we've done just that. We've made one more important than the other. And what we do is we hold the logos of God to be incredibly important, but I've noticed we've almost come to ignore the rima of God. The Bible, the written word of God, has been elevated way, to be way more important than the spoken word of God. When we think of the Bible, we're like, yay, the Bible, yeah, it's awesome, the logos, yeah, I'm all about that. But when we talk about the spoken word of God, the rima of God, we're like, man, I don't know. And you know what, guys? I get that. I truly do. There's a reason for that. There's a reason why we shy away from the spoken word of God. You want to know why? Because there's been scads of abuses throughout history, and they're still happening today, where people claim to hear the spoken word of God, and then they enforce it upon others and cause a ton of damage to themselves and multitude of others, a ton of destruction. Like, for instance, let's just say that I did this. Let's say that I was like, guys, I'm your pastor, and I just care about you deeply. And the other day, I was spending some time with God and just praying, and the Lord spoke to me. And he said this. He said, tell Whitestone, tell the people of Whitestone, all of you, to cut a $100 check written out to me. God wants to teach you guys generosity, and he's going to use me to do that. God said that. So get out your checkbooks and just let's, let's honor God. You guys are all giggling and laughing at that because you think that's, that's just crazy. Well, guess what? Pastors have done that for years. For years. They're still doing it. My son just showed me an article where the pastor got up before his congregation and said, God told me that, I'm, that you guys are supposed to buy me a brand new Learjet. So... I'm just laying that on you. <laughs> Pretty sure I heard the same thing, but I was, I'm not sure. <laughs> you know what, guys? That's just, that's just the example of using money. But there's a ton of different examples this, this fits. I mean, so many people have used the voice of God to force others to do some pretty horrible things. In fact, that's how, how I think cults begin. And, you know, we can ask ourselves, man, why? why? Why does that even happen? How do people let that happen? Well, here's how it happens. If we trust a person, if we really, you know, somewhat trust this person, and that person says he or she has heard from God, God told them something, well, all of us in this room, we want to do what God says, Right? So we hear what they say, and we're like, well, I guess I better do it, because they heard from God. And like I said, guys, so much destruction has come from that, and I have to say it's extremely wicked. 
So what Christianity has done is said, well, there's a lot of danger in that. So let's stay away from the rima of God, and we're only going to focus on the logos of God and the Word of God, the Bible. We can trust that. We don't need to listen to God anymore. We have His written Word. We only need the logos. Now, guys, while that may be safe, I don't think it's the right way to go about it. I don't think that's correct. I think that many Christians have thrown out the baby with the bathwater with that. And I think we pay a price for it. I think we need both. It's my belief that we need to be experiencing both the Rima and the Logos of God in our lives. We need to be engaging with both to experience the true, abundant life Jesus meant for us to have. So while the Rima of God may be abused by so many people, and we do need to show caution when it comes to such a thing, we just can't throw it out. We must still make it a part of our lives to train, to listen to the rhema of God. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We were created to listen to God. We were created to converse with God, to hear him speak to us. We were created to have his spirit speak to our spirit and bring life to it. It's in our very makeup. We can't throw it out. But we can set up some protections, if you will, some cautions, some firewalls. And there's a number of them that we could talk about. I just want to mention two this morning. And the number one is an incredibly important firewall. It's this. Every time someone says they supposedly hear from God, they hear a rima of God, what must we hold it up to? The Logos of God. The written Word of God. Here's why. The Logos of God will absolutely always agree with the Rima of God. And the Rima of God will absolutely always agree with the Logos of God. If someone tells you that they heard from God, it had better line up with the written Word of God, or else you can just toss it right out. You can ignore it. God will never contradict Himself. Never. He just won't. It says in Psalms that his word stands eternal in the heavens. He's not going to contradict himself. For instance, let's say somebody comes up to me and they said, you know, Luke, there's this, there's this guy at my work I cannot stand. I literally can't stand this person and I want to quit my job. I hate, I hate this person. But I was spending time with God the other day and God spoke to me and this is what I felt like he said. He said, I'm supposed to love that person. And he gave, some, gave me some really certain ways I could demonstrate my love to him. I don't know. Do you think that's from God or not? What do you think? It lines up with the logos of God. So you can pretty much see that that is God speaking to you. Now, but let's say somebody comes up to you and says, you know, I can't stand this person at my job. I literally just despise them. I have so much anger towards this person. It drives me nuts. I sometimes can't sleep at night. And I was spending time with God the other day, and God told me to just cut them out of my life, that I'm just supposed to ignore them and not pay attention to them at all, just pretend they don't exist. You think God spoke to me? What do you think? Sure doesn't sound like it, because it disagrees with what Jesus says. Jesus says to love your enemy, to do good to those who harm you, 
to pray for those who mistreat you. We're called to love those people, and love is an action. So God is not going to tell you something that disagrees with what his written word says. Secondly, another firewall, as best as I can, I will never allow anyone to bully others by saying that they have heard from God. In other words, I will not allow people to push themselves onto other people simply because they said, I heard from God on a certain issue. Like, for instance, I've had this happen before, actually numerous times. I've had somebody come up to me and say, Luke, God told me that I'm supposed to get up on the stage and I'm supposed to share something he's laid on my heart. And I'm supposed to do it next Sunday. So I was like, okay. Well, he hasn't told me that. But do you see the dilemma there? If God told him, if God told him that he was supposed to do that, I had better let him do what he wants to do because I want to do what God wants. Well, no, sorry. God has entrusted me with being the lead teacher here at Wysome. What is said from this stage is under my realm of influence, under my supervision. God, for reasons only known to him, has given me that responsibility. And so I am very careful that what is taught and preached from up here on this stage is to the best of my ability to be the truth of God's word. And I'm not just going to trust anybody to get up here and share just because they claim they have heard from God. I'm not going to let somebody bully me into that just simply said, I heard. If God wanted him to do it, I'm sure God would tell me too, because God's a God of unity. But stuff like this happens all the time amongst believers, and guys, it's wrong. And so I try to do my best to, to not allow people to bully others while claiming they've heard from God. We, we can't put up with that. That's spiritual bullying. Let me just say this real quick. If... If God supposedly tells you something that involves someone else, this is how you should approach them. With deep humility and sensitivity. You should come up to and say, listen, the other day, I feel like God may have spoken something to me about you. I'm certainly not positive about this, but I felt like I heard this. So I'm going to share it with you, and I'm going to let you do with it as you please, if it's something legitimately from God, then he's going to show you. If not, throw it out. It's okay. I'm just, I'm just handing it to you because I feel like I'm supposed to. And then leave it and walk away. Don't be like three weeks from now go, well, see, Johnny, that you're not obeying God. Because I told you I was the conduit and you're not doing what I told you to do. Hmm. Shame on you. No, don't force yourself on to that person because you feel like you're the voice of God. That's spiritual bullying, and we're not going to allow that. We just can't. Now, let's switch gears back to the voice of God. Once again, let me say this. I do believe that we are meant to be actively engaged with both the logos of God and the rima of God in our lives, to experience the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. We're supposed to be involved with both. We just can't choose one and throw the other out. Both should be part of our life. Listen, you had better be studying the Word of God, the written Word of God. You better be engaged with the logos of God. You better know it inside and out. 
If you are not studying the Word of God, the written Word of God, you're missing out on a huge part of the relationship with God. But you also need to be engaged in the Rima of God. Both should be part of our lives. So the question is, well, okay, I understand the written Word of God, but how? How do we learn to listen to the voice of God? And as I said earlier, we're not going to have time to be able to cover all there is to that. It's too big of a topic to just do one, two, even three sermons. I'm going to have to hit this again in May, but I want to end by talking about these verses in preparation for our sermons in May. I want to share these two verses with you. This is Jesus talking. These are precious verses. He goes, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. As followers of Jesus, we are his sheep. Now notice, in verse 27, what does it say his sheep do? They listen to his voice. They listen to his voice. To whose voice? Jesus' voice. So therefore, what must we do? We had better learn to recognize Jesus' voice. Guys, part of getting to know Jesus is learning to recognize his voice. Have you ever noticed how each one of us have a very unique voice? It's a very different, unique voice. It's, it's crazy. And I'm, most people can tell who we are by our voice. And, you know, I know we go through transitions in our lives, especially you teenage boys. You know how that goes. <laughs> I remember when I was, you know, a young teenager, I, people would call my house and I'd go, hello, hello, Pat, yeah, I just want to, no, this isn't Pat, this is her son. Like, you know, that sounded like mom. But when we get our adult voices, people can recognize us. They recognize who we are. Like, for those of you who are old enough to remember this, you remember the day when we had phones on the wall that didn't have caller ID? Do you remember that? Yeah. And when you would pick up, somebody would ring, you'd pick up what was the first thing you were listening for? to recognize the voice. Yep, and a lot of times we could do that. It's, it's crazy, but one of the first things that we're doing when we're getting to know someone is that we're learning that person's voice, okay? It's being plugged into our memory. And in the future, when we're, when we're able to, you know, in the future, when we hear that person's voice, we'll be able to recognize who it is without even seeing their face. It's remarkable how our brain works. Like, for instance, let's just try this for fun today. I'm going to play a few voices of celebrities, and let's see if you can recognize who the voices belong to, okay? So let, let's, you're going to have to really listen, pay attention to this, and let's just start with the very first one, Avery. Who's that? Antonio Banderas. Very good. Well done. Now play that second, right? Following that. Who's that? Eddie Murphy. That's right. These are the two people that you just heard right now. Okay, let's play the second one. Let's see if you get this. Who is it? Andre the Giant. I'll say, forgive this picture. This is all he wore. <laughs> okay, how about this next one? 
Liam Neeson. Very good. That's awesome. This guy here. All right, this next one. This is going to be a tough one. <laughs> Who is it? Arnold. That's right. Who's this next one? Stallone. Very good. Good job. Now, this last one's going to be kind of a toughie. He's a really famous guy, but let's see if you can recognize who this voice is. Hey, good morning, everybody. <laughs> who is it? Very good. Thank you, Kirk, for being willing to do that. <laughs> Pretty incredible how you guys could recognize those voices with only hearing. Now, guess what? God has a voice. God has a voice, and we need to learn to recognize his voice. My sheep listen to my voice. They know me. We must learn to recognize his voice so that we can listen to him. Now, if you pay attention to these verses, it doesn't take a brain surgeon to just recognize that this is deeply talking about a relationship here. I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. My sheep listen to my voice. I, I know them, and they follow me. These verses convey a relationship. Remember, knowing God, which is eternal life, is a relationship. We know him. He knows us. And guys, people who know each other, they spend time together. They speak with one another. And this is what it's meant to be like with God. Remember, this series is on prayer. Learning how to interact with our unseen God. Well, we must know him so well that we also know his voice. We recognize his voice. And in doing so, that voice will be our guiding light throughout our whole life. We're going to fall in love with that voice. We're going to cherish that voice. We're going to crave that voice. That, that voice will mean the world to us. Kind of like what we do with our friends or our loved ones when we haven't talked to them a long time. Sometimes, you know, when Shauna has gone to Malawi and she's been gone from me for like six or seven days because you can't get a connection, when we finally connect and talking on the phone, she's like, oh, Luke, it is so good to hear your voice. Your voice just, it just settles me down. And I'm like, well, I, I do have a good voice. It's, it's incredible. <laughs> well, guys, when we hear God speak to us, it's going to be like that. And it's going to be like us, like, oh, God, it's so good to hear your voice. I needed to hear from you right now. Thanks for talking with me. His voice will calm us, will soothe us, will teach us, instruct us, caution us, inspire us, pour out love on us, bring us joy. That's what the voice of the shepherd will do in our lives. So we must learn to recognize it because, as I said before, it's what brings life to our spirit. And trust me, our spirits desperately need it. Our spirits are wilted and beaten up and they need the nourishing words of God. Amen? Here's our homework this week. I want you to, now I want you to get away from people, okay? <laughs> and just get alone with God. And I want you to ask him a simple question. The more simple, the better. Just a simple question. Don't be saying, God, why did you create the universe? You know, don't get into those big, it's just a simple question. And I want you to journal, take your journal and listen to what God says and write down what you think he says. 
Now I realize we, we haven't yet learned how to do this yet. We haven't talked about that, but I want you to try it anyways. Listen to God speak. See if he speaks the answer. Second thing, I want you to open your Bible to Psalm 23. And I want you to read that psalm slowly and meditatively. Many of you guys probably have it memorized, but I want you to go through it slowly and meditatively. And what I mean by that is slowly and meditatively. Don't rush through it. Take it one phrase at a time. Chew on it. Digest it. Let it soak in. Now, what I'm wanting you to do is I want you to, while reading the logos of God, I want you to allow the rima of God to speak to your spirit what he wants you to say using his logos. Okay? Journal what he shows you. Take your time with this. And then practice his presence while you're doing it. All right, everybody going to do that? All right, awesome. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for these people. Uh, they are my brothers and sisters, and I get to do life with them, and it's just so, such an honor and privilege. And God, I don't think there's a person in this room who doesn't want to experience the relationship with you that you came to give us, that abundant life. We want to interact with you. We want to interact with your logos and your rima. We want to have an interactive relationship with you. And so, God, by your grace, I ask that you would teach us how to do that and to do that well. We love you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Guys, love you so very, very much. I hope you have an awesome week, and we'll see you hopefully on Good Friday, if not, on Resurrection Sunday.